every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tom Smith with my partner in crime, Stephen Hunt. Hey, how's it going? And we are in Chapter 5 of Part 2 of Notes from Underground. Kind of a short little chapter. Yeah, second one where he's out in the world. Uh, really? I mean, honestly. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, there's a lot of chaos in this chapter, you know? He's, he's a little bold. Bold? Yeah. Yeah, little, how do you mean? A little, little brazen. Yeah, kind of a brazen here. What kind of. By that? <laughs> you got a Bonnie and Clyde moment. <laughs> Keep going, man. Tell me. Oh, when he when he's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a gun and some bullets. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are we doing? Here? Right. You know, <laughs> you have the advantage of knowing where this goes. See, I don't know yet. This this well, this has gotten interesting. No, enough it's, it's, where I want to read ahead. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> nice. Do you have to stop yourself now? You want to keep going? You say, "What is going on here, man?" Yeah, yeah, I really. Right. Do. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm constrained by the other amount of work I have to do. Yeah, right. No, no, <laughs> I I hear you. It's exciting though. It's, it should be a really uh, should be a really great week. Yeah. You know the thing is is he's the underground man. He's 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 on both ends of the spectrum, right? I mean, it's on both ends of the spectrum on what because you know. Like you were saying, the stuff that you have to do, and, and even myself. I mean, this morning I can't, I've come off of some pretty you know mundane work, and then after we're done, I'm going to go back to that you know mundane work. But sorry, oh no, it's it's perfectly fine. It's, <laughs> it's unnecessary. Uh, it's unnecessary. But I, I think you live life right in that middle part, right? And and it, it can be kind of boring. Or, or I mean, and that's kind of what what life is, right? I mean, we 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 see TV and entertainment, and we want to escape. Um, and, 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 and people have done so much to, you know, create, you know, life, the four hour work week, you know, sitting on the beach, you know, or, 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 or even, you know, even podcasting and four hour work week. That'd be nice. Yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I mean, those are nice, but people try to get out of that middle part and the underground man is on like, he, he, he doesn't live there. Everything is on the extreme, mm-hmm. you know, like on the one hand, he's got this, He's uh, on the one hand, right? He, it, it's it's like the slap, right? He's got like he's got the slap. So, I think probably a great thing at the beginning, right? He says, and this is the beginning of chapter five. He says, "So this is it. This is it at last. Contact with real life." Yeah, I should have known right then. We were headed to guns and bullets. Guns. And he's like, "This is it. Done. Last." I, right. Well, I gave it away. I, the thing that got me is you know it's in quotes, right? And yeah. so. He says this aloud, so he's 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 actually loud. He's leaving the building, and he's speaking this not in his mind, right? And it's not like this is not yeah. part one anymore. No, that's that's something I I've really taken note of the last two chapters, and especially this one. Like yeah. especially as things got more graphic, I was like, sure, oh, like now I'm I'm picturing this in my head, like what it must be like to be a bystander watching this guy, right? <laughs> or or the guy that's you know driving the 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 taxi, and mm-hmm. and like. I keep forgetting that this is taking place in the 1800s. Oh, so yeah. So I'm like, 
oh, horse and carriage. I'm picturing like, you know, taxi or something, you know. Sure, sure. And, and like he punches the guy. I'm like, whoa. Right, right. <laughs> right, right. There's so many wild moments in this thing. No, there is. There's so many wild moments. You know, it's the thing is, is yeah, it's like, especially in the last chapter too, but in this chapter as well, mm-hmm. we get so acclimated to that part one, you know, part one where he's, He's in, he's underground, right? He's, he's, I mean, because like part one, he, he's basically been underground for like three months, right? He's been like, he's been in his apartment. He's been kind of like, he's just been isolated and, and he doesn't want to live life. And now he can't stand it anymore. So now he has to go out and live life. But we've become so acclimated to his chain of thought, you know, that it, it's almost like, you know, the underground man sees it as noble, right? And so you almost, you get to a point where you almost start to see it as noble yourself. Like, you're kind of like, oh, you're kind of rooting for the guy. Like, oh, well, maybe the guy should be seen as a genius, maybe, right? And then, but then you look at it and then, you know, there's all these scenes where, uh, you know, like, the the, the reaction to the underground man Mm -hmm. is, is fairly reasonable, right? I mean, Zerkoff in the last chapter, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of trying to give the underground man a, you know, he's kind of saying, hey, while you're here. He's a better man than I am. He gave him money. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, he gets the money from, yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, uh, that's right. He gets the money at the end of the chapter. And um, so he gets treated fairly, I guess, normal, but then, you know, the underground. He doesn't have a standard for normal. He he doesn't. I mean, yeah. No, no. You know, I mean, not to say that I'm normal and I have any idea what that is. But <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. But yeah, no. His his standard for for normal is has got to be out of whack. You're not interacting with society, so how can you even have a baseline for normal except for what you think it is? Like, um, which brings me to a question. Yeah. At the bottom of that very first paragraph. Sure. Uh, he says very different from the ball on Lake Como. And he uses yeah. that twice on the first page anyway he for does, me yeah. on my iPad. But um, what is that? Does that harken back to one of the chapters before, or what is he talking about? Man, it absolutely does. It harkens back to uh, the, the, the dream world, the imaginary world. Remember that chapter when we were talking about the underground man and his fantasy life? And this was, uh, this was the... Um, we made the point where... The, where because the underground man doesn't love. He doesn't, you know, so we have to ask the question, is he capable of loving, right? Well, mm. not only is he capable of loving, but he's capable of forgiveness. He's capable of, of uh, he reaches out to God. He, you, do you remember that? I can only, like, this dude took us down so many rabbit trails. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm on chicken coop. I can remember that the chicken coop, yeah, yeah. But you remember he, but, but he, this talking about his fantasy life, and then he, because he transitioned yeah. out of that, and he was talking about the. Um, I, I vaguely the remember that the utopia thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember that, but he he uses so many descriptive words, it doesn't fit in my brain. <laughs> you know, yeah. He 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 has this. Remember, we were talking about Napoleon, and we were saying like he has this. He envisions himself as Napoleon. Yeah, and then he uh, he 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 envisions like the Pope is going to step down, you know, and like and then he's gonna, and, and and yeah, he has all these dreams and all these visions, and then he 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 
he, he dreams of being a poet, right? And then he's going to give a, like everyone gives him money because he's such a great, he's oh, so yeah, talented. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he gives all the money to the poor, and then he goes around and starts, you know, giving people advice, and everyone loves him. And well, he's got so many different dreams in his. I think he's dreamed every dream for everybody in humanity, ever. Yeah, it's ever been right. Like, he's gone from wanting to be Bruce Willis in Die Hard to wanting to be a poet who's recognized, to wanting to give to the poor, to wanting to slap this guy in the face. Mm-hmm. He's gone through every single possibility there is, but it's it's extremes. In yeah. every single case, it's extremes because he wants some sort of final outcome, some sort of objective truth that he can look towards yeah. where the only judgment that can be made is not one of man. It's one of, you know, nature's nat- you know, natural outcome. Yeah. Like right. the guy getting thrown through the window. Well, that just happened. That was going to happen. It had to happen. Yeah. And the guy, I mean, I think he he liked it because the guy didn't have any control over what happened, Mm -hmm. you know? That's right. So to him, that was control. He likes to be in a controlled environment uh, where nothing is uncertain. Well, he can't really survive outside of it. I mean, he's always, he always has that kind of, you know, the overthinking, right? And that's when he's talking about the man of action versus the man of consciousness. Like, and... It's it's interesting. Like in our modern age, I think if you would consider yourself a man of consciousness, you might argue that you take action. The underground man argues that for the man of consciousness, they cannot take the action. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Like he can't. There's no action he can take. Yep. Um, and even with uh, and even with Zerkoff, right? I mean, he wants to slap Zerkoff. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, he's got he he's got this this he's trying to force something that is just so out of this world, right? Like, because there's the beating, right? He imagines that he's going to slap Zerkoff and then all of a sudden, like, you know, that the all... tides are going to turn. Exactly. Like, all Zerkoff's friends are going to start hating him and pulling his hair and beating him. And, yeah. And then the the madam, right? He knows the madam, Olympia. Yeah. She's going to start jumping on him and start pulling him off and, you know, and um, then he, uh, he, um, and then he, uh, he imagines he's going to be sent to Siberia, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so this is the... I think this is like the, the the point where he he wants to be in the situation where he doesn't get a choice. So he's going to be sent to Siberia, and and then he goes from the one side, right? So he he says the one is totally absurd. He thinks I'm going to go and I'm going to slap him and I'm going to lose my job, and everyone's going to hate me, and then I might die. I'm going to get sent to Siberia. So this is like a disastrous right yeah. fantasy on one end, but then turn right. it around, right? Uh, in his fantasy, because he, he, he's in he's in this taxi and he's he's working it through. And on the other end, then he, he thinks to himself, he goes, "Oh, well, I'm going to get out of Siberia. I'm going to go to you know Zerkov, and I'm going to challenge him to a duel. And when you know, and but then when it comes time for the duel, I'm going to shoot in the air and I'm going to forgive him for all for the way that he shamed me. You know? Yeah, like he just wants the moral high ground over and over. Uh, I I did find something uh, right. Prior to that, that yeah. was pretty interesting. Yeah. He, when he said, the initiative will be mine, and by the laws of honor, that is everything. So he, mm. he's he's I, he's admiring the man of action right there. And he's kind of yes. imagining placing himself there where he's the one who takes the initiative. So he's not being forced to react. He's like, I'm doing this. No matter what, I'm of my own free will. I'm not being forced to do it. No one can say I did it because of this. It was because that's just who I am. Yeah. 
right? So I just, I, I was like, wow, initiative will be yours, and you're actually going to do something outside the world. That's right, good yeah. For, good for you. That's right. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I That was one of the times when my hope for him just, I was like, all right. You're going to do, do it. something. You're going to do it. I'm not going to lie. Maybe this is like a morbid thing, morbid curiosity within me. I don't know. No, but, but when we talked about the pistols, yeah. I was like, all right, he's going in guns a-blazing. <laughs> I didn't think we had many chapters left. I was like, maybe he was right. Maybe this is the end. I don't know. Going in with guns blazing. Uh, he, shot, he, he wants to shoot in the air, and I'm like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I actually wondered if he was going to shoot himself at the end. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. The The thing is with the underground man, okay, is that every, every instance, okay, of stark reality, right? Like, that's what we all live in, right? And I, I always find this interesting, and it's an interesting parallel with the modern world because so many people, whether they're, you know, like uh, Netflix and chill, people are always, you know, they're they're marathoning things on streaming platforms and they're doing all sorts of media or they're stuck in their phones. Yeah. You know, yeah. the thing is, is, you know, it's like we do so much to escape a reality, just a, 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 a just kind of a slow, banal reality yep. where, and this is where a lot of us are, right? You wake up in the morning and. There's stuff to do. Yeah. The Doug Funny Life. It's the same thing every day. Right. There you go. You know, it's the same thing every day, right? Yeah. No, so I, you have that sense of real life. But for the underground man, like, there's no middle ground. Like, everything gets, everything turns into this absurd fantasy, right? Yeah. I mean, everything gets upturned. Everything gets pushed into the realm of the absurd. Like, you know, Zerkoff is like, hey, I haven't seen you. I don't really know you, and I don't know why you're here. But, you know, I mean, we'll yeah. make the best of it, and we'll do what we can. And he's trying to be nice to him. And, and you would think that this would be just a simple, right. boring day. You go, okay, well, you know, there was a very simple way to proceed in this. No. No. This, the underground man. This guy knows a lot of words, but moderation is not one of them. <laughs> he's, this dude's either a Cat 5 hurricane or a sunny day. I just there is nothing in between, man. Right? Yeah, really? No, it's true. Yeah, Cat Five Hurricane or a sunny day. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. And so um, you're like the king of the idioms over there, Steve. The um, <laughs> the uh, yeah. So for the underground man, call me the king of the idiots. No, I said king of the idioms. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Both would be true. So right, that's right. I was going to say they don't mean to be mutually exclusive. All the idiots, I'm chiefest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they have the um, so everything is an absurd fantasy. Like in the last chapter, when he was, um, he he thought he should leave. He was getting drunk, and he says, you know, he thinks to himself, mm-hmm. you know, he has like this moment of clarity, probably because of the alcohol. And he's thinking, yeah. yeah. And he's thinking to himself, I'll make like, it nice and clear. Yeah, right, no doubt. And he's thinking <laughs> to himself, like, okay, I gotta get up and just go home, right? Like that would be the most b- basic thing to do. And most yeah. of us could see that, like, when we're reading it, it's obvious that's what he should do. Instead, he gets up and he walks back and forth for like three hours. And then doesn't he end up blaming that? And he ends up blaming it up. He blames them for it. This, right? this, this guy has had more chances to repent than the thief on the cross. I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, he has this so many times. And he he just, he, because he blames them, I believe, uh, that he from going back and forth and just walking back and forth for three hours. And it's not even his fault. Everything gets turned into this absurd fantasy. Well, no different than when he left and he was, you know, he had these visions that they were all going to become friends and he was going to force it. He still yeah. has that same, like, oh, yeah. optimism 
in this chapter. Yeah, you, you kind of. He's like, yeah, they'll be forced to see the tragedy of it all when they drag me to the door. Yes. Call out to them that in reality they're not worth my little finger. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, that'll that'll teach him. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's right, right. Like he's he's got he's got a good imagination, but even he's got to be running out of ideas. Well, yeah, but he even realizes that in this chapter because mm-hmm. he, he remember he sees that his fantasy he actually comes to the the this kind of realization. It, it's funny he, he understands that his fantasies come from literature. Yep, that they come from romanticism. Yeah, yeah. He named two people in here. One of them being uh, Pushkin. Yep, that's which right. Which I. I found to be, uh, well, I don't know, interesting just because I'm, maybe I'm just not as well read as I should be, but mm. um, Pushkin is a uh, a character, he's a bad guy in a movie, and I'm trying to remember the movie right now. Okay, right. I It escapes me, uh-huh. but that is the last name of... Um, one of the characters in a in a very recent movie, and mm. I imagine that that's probably where that came from was was that guy, yeah, right there. Because I've found over time, and it's not the first time it's happened, but it's it's yeah. rare because I'm not very well read. It's it's not a hobby of mine to to read books all the time, right? Well, um, you got to start somewhere, so you know, yeah, you know, yeah, this was a good. Know. One good great place. author is as good as another. So you Yeah, know. it's like starting diving with like Red Bull, you know, <laughs> cliff diving. Right. First one, cannonball. <laughs> right. 200 feet, here we right. go. Mr. Hot, you're up. Yeah, right. pretty much. <laughs> right, there you go. So I found that like people like Spielberg and different directors like that, yeah. they pull from very, you know, artsy sources. They're very well read in old literature. Yeah, in the arts, which I guess shouldn't surprise me, but Mm -hmm. I'm that man of action from, you know, the 90s and up, I guess. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. It's like, eh, whatever. Right. Let them deal with it. Right, right. (laughs) Right, that's that's, right. That's what's put me there. No, I mean, I think a lot of people are. I mean, a lot of people do, and and I think you can draw a lot from modern movies that are drawn from, you know, places like this. Mm. He says this here, yeah, he says, uh, I was actually on the point of tears. Though I knew perfectly well at that moment that all this was out of uh, Pushkin's uh, Silvio and uh, Lermontov's uh, Masquerade. And all at once I felt horribly ashamed. So ashamed that I stopped the horse, got out of the sledge, and stood still in the snow in the middle of the street. Yeah. Yeah, so he does come to this realization. He does understand Mm-hmm. He does. He does eventually kind of get to this point where he understands that the absurdity of his situation. Yeah. Well, you know, when when he was thinking about biting him, maybe he should have recognized that. Remember that he does. He does well because if Zerkov doesn't respond to him, because if he slaps, they're gonna bite him. Well, if he slaps Zerkov, I mean, because the thing is, is that he's already, you know, remember when they were toasting Zerkov, and then uh, he refused to toast, and they said, well, you know, why, you know, why are you being this way? And then he's, I have my own toast, and then he effectively just says like the same thing they said, and he's just trying to spite everybody. The only other grown man I know to actually bite somebody was Mike Tyson. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I gotta teach right, my two year old not to do this. But not to do this right. Don't bite. That's right. Don't bite. But now he's gonna. But bite even Mike him. Tyson, he didn't go in there planning that. He was like, "I'm gonna punch the crap out this dude." Yeah, no, he doesn't. This right. guy's like, "I know what I'll do." Yeah, right. I'll bite him if he doesn't. Yeah, and if he if he, he doesn't if respond doesn't to my out. if he doesn't respond to the slap, my vicious slap. Yeah, that's right. My so. Open handed 
slap. It's like Will Smith, you know? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is this guy yeah, doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. And then hey, this would be like this would be like the perfect parody, you know? They get like a parody of like Will Smith driving on his way to the Oscars, you know? Like there's Jada sitting in the passenger seat, you know, and he's like he's like overthinking it. He's like overthinking the baldness thing. He's like he's thinking anybody about, says anything. He's like he's like there's the, he's like there's two men. He's like there's there's the there's the award winning man and then there's the man that's bald, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this guy goes see what lengths you can drive it desperate man too right yeah no kidding like, huh? if that's the only problems we had today was a slap right yeah there you go <laughs> there was a what was a a uh a mass slapping today that's right that's right Chicago. yeah oh yeah that's right a mass slapping that's right <laughs> five children got, got slapped in it <laughs> sorry i mean seriously i mean man. yeah that would be much better yeah four people were bitten 12 slapped Oh, CNN would want to ban hands. Oh, I said that's right. I guess Everyone that's have right. to have their teeth pulled. That's work. Yeah, kid gloves, right? We you have, have to have a permit. There you go. For, for, start having gloves for incisors. Per, per, permit for incisors. <laughs> Assault <you> teeth. <laughs> right, right. There you go. So, all right. That's so. All right. That's trail. enough of that here. Right. Enough of that rabbit trail there. So for the underground man. Okay. So and I think we would agree. All right. I think that all of us would agree. I know. I think I would agree. Is that life. People want emotionally satisfying experiences, right, out of life. And underground man who spends a vast amount of time alone want is seeking out people. You know, that, that first part of the chapter, right, the first part of the chapter, he, he says aloud. Uh, he says it. Uh, he says it here. So this is it. This is at last contact with real life, right? So yeah. it's he's looking for an emotionally satisfying thing. But here's the thing, okay? Let's say, for example, that you're a man and you only have really three emotions that you can functionally work with, right? Like overthinking and uh, being resentful and being spiteful, right? I mean, mean, it's pretty rough. I mean, that's kind of what the underground man tends to do, right? He, He overthinks everything, and then when he overthinks everything, he's thinking about this possibility and this possibility and this possibility and all of it's pointless. Yeah. And then he's thinking to himself, like, oh, and then he starts to resent everybody. He resents himself. He resents the world. He resents other people. And then, of course, he acts out and he's spiteful, you know, banging the wall for his toothache and all this other stuff. Right. So, I mean, but if those, like, the underground man hasn't really... The only love and kindness that he's been able to show has been in the fantasy world, right? So love and kindness for the underground man is about as real as the Pope, you know, stepping stepping out, you know, stepping down or, you know, because yeah. of our, uh, or, you know, these ba- balls he talks about, these magical balls that he gets out of literature. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really have a functional way to love, but he does have a functional way to overthink and to resent to be spiteful so when the underground man gets out of the underground and he goes into the real world right he's only able to produce the kind of engagement that his emotions will allow him to introduce well that makes sense those are not really useful qualities. Uh, no, not really. No, not at all. You know, <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, no, no kidding. And so it's kind of like, but it's like, you know, the 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 simple altruism in a day, right? I mean, the simple the simple kind thing that you can do, right? You can say, 
you know, please and thank you. If someone asks you to do something simple, you can take time out of your day to do it. Or, or you do something boring because it's a, a little benefit to someone else. Right. Yeah. Like these are all things that we do to kind of build that muscle of kindness. Right. Because yeah. we can see it. We see it in small communities and underground man in this big urban environment. Right. And, 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 and he's in this big urban environment. He's his whole life is nothing but romantic fantasies from Western Europe, from places that that that, that are, are, are seem far away and distant. And then the only thing that he can produce in in his the only thing he can produce in his thought life is resentment and spite. He only experiences love in 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 his fantasies and in the real world. He this resentment and this spite become real and create chaos in his life. Yeah, well, if he ever actually gets one of those relationships, I I don't know how he's going to fare because well, we have those, such- those three don't work. You no, know, they marriage. don't. They don't. And, and the thing is, that even in our modern world, there's such, a, I think, a, a bit of a correlation because we have people who live in, we have people who live, uh, whether they live in an urban environment that's very large or they live in a rural environment where they don't have a strong community uh, to rely on. Uh, and then they have all these notions, right? Notions from Hollywood or from the coastal elite, which aren't necessarily in a different country, but they might as well be because they're that far removed from people's experiences. And people in their thought life, right, become very depressed and become very, uh, become very despondent. Oh, yeah, that's that's why it, it, today's society doesn't want, you know, uh, such beauty depicted on, like, the cover of magazines because it, it's going to give teenage girls a low self-esteem. And it's like, what <laughs> are you talking about? Yeah, this yeah, yeah, and then there's so much splintering, and and then so much chaos, right? Like chaos in the underground man's life, and then chaos in our world today. Yeah, and they're I I don't even know if they're on the other side of the country. These these people don't live in the same world we live in. The the celebrities. Oh yeah. Today, I mean, how many of us? How far removed right. from reality do you have to be? I I don't want to beat the Will Smith situation to death. Okay, I don't want to slap it to death. Sure, but. If uh, if one of us were to just go sit front row at the the Oscars, oh yeah, right, and somebody makes a joke about our wife, how far removed from reality would we have to be to get up and slap the host on national television? I I I can't picture that, right? Yeah, right. Like, I'll defend my wife to the ends of the earth. Yeah, but. There's just certain situations you're in where there's a certain level of decorum that's expected. Yeah. And, like, how to be the bigger person. And if you... Not that... I don't know. I don't spend time researching this because it's pointless. I don't recommend anybody even do it. It just comes to my attention through different things that I see. But apparently the way that Will and Jada parent their kids... like their kids have been pretty much blackballed from being on any movie sets or anything. They're so unruly because really, yeah, because Will and Jada don't believe in like rules. They want their kids to kind of have like an open, free roaming childhood so that they can learn the lessons early on that they need to learn. That's the wow. way that they parent. So how far removed from reality are you? Yeah, because yes. you're not going to tell me that that's how he grew up, right? Right. 
I, I don't I don't remember if he no, grew I, up with his grandmother or something, but something like that. But that's not how he grew up. Though. No, you, no. You, know, you, you listen. I've known a lot of old black ladies. Okay, yeah. back in that day, for her to be that age, have grown up when she did. He probably got the crap smacked out of him for doing some crazy stuff. Probably, I would right? think so. Yeah. So look how long it's been that he's just totally removed from reality, from our society. Yeah, that's they true. They don't play by the same rules we do. No, they really don't. And then he's found himself in that world, and it's kind of like, does he know? Like, because he's just seeking like validation from a lot of those kind of. I don't know. That world is is crazy, to uh, when, say the least. When you, because she she comes from a different. I mean, I don't know much about her, but she's like she has all the relationship with rappers and with all different. Kind oh, it's of, they they had an open marriage. That's that's one one of their big fights is about. Man, yeah, is that? I, I, that yeah, I, like I said, I mean, not a rabbit trail. Really, really want to go down? It's yeah, just, no, not really. But man, yeah, it's that bad. <laughs> wow, yeah, and so they don't live in the same world as we do. You know, no. You you do that in like a small town, and like ten people find out about it, and you're going to be destroyed for it. You know, yeah. But you can be in front of millions of people and still remain one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood, and continue to get away with stuff yeah. like that. Right. That's assault. Well, if see, I slap Chris Rock, yeah, I'm going to jail. Right. Now, to be fair, yeah, honestly, it's surprising, and I guess we really don't know this because I wasn't there. They asked Chris Rock, do you want to press charges? And he said, no. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Mm -hmm. But if this is some random audience member, we're never going to hear from them again. Right. You know what I'm saying? No, that's right. And I think that that leads... I mean, Hollywood is a place of power dynamics, obviously. And so I think that that leads into a lot of it. I do think that it's interesting how people gain power over other people, right? Okay, so... And that's... Like in the in the Will Smith and the Chris Rock situation, if if you're in the front row and Chris Rock says something nasty about your wife, yeah, and you do nothing, then yeah. you're you. I'm sure that even if you're a regular guy, you're going to get a chance to go to the media and maybe say something to papers, and you'll say, "Oh, I don't think this is a good thing," and and, right. and you'll be able to do it in a traditional way, right? You'll be yeah. in the papers, you'll get to respond. Now, if Will Smith does that, okay, it's the same thing that you can do, it's the same thing that I can do, then that is, an, and I don't, know, I don't know if Will Smith could articulate this, but I'm positive that this is exactly what motivates him and what, th- what he's thinking in his mind. Because if, if Will Smith says nothing and he's just going to say something to, you know, an, an access Hollywood reporter outside, he's going to say, well, I don't think Chris Rock was a good person for doing that, right? And they report it in the, in the papers, in the magazines. That's... He has no power there. Okay, that that is a pedestrian response in terms of in terms of power valuation. Chris Rock being on the stage and then having that focus on him in the moment on television, right as it was broadcast, mm-hmm. that's where the power lies. So it doesn't matter how many magazines or how many little blurbs that Will Smith gets, he's totally powerless. Right, he's aware that for him to react in an equal and opposite way you know if he's gonna have to do it in the same medium he's gonna have to take advantage of the same exact medium that in all of its impact you know if you're in a fight with somebody and somebody comes up and they hit you they punch you on the in the the face you know you're probably gonna punch them in the face you know right you're not gonna try to you say well what's your first thing you're gonna do kick him in the leg Right. Well, probably not. I mean, you may get there eventually, but you know, tit for tat. Right. You're, one thing leads to another. I'd bite him. 
<laughs> you would probably bite them. You would bite them, and then you would go to Siberia and come back. And then... <laughs> the, the, but, yeah. but this is the difference in the power, right? In the power dynamic. So he's thinking, if I'm going to get my wife's honor back, I need to retaliate in a way that has equal power. I can't do it in a way that, you know, he's going to have to shock. Because for Chris Rock, because Chris Rock, right, I mean, he's doing it to shock people, right? He's going up and he's talking about Jada's hair or lack of it. And then right. he's doing it to shock, right? Yeah. So if Will Smith is going to, if Will Smith is going to um, reciprocate in yeah. the same power level, he has to shock. And if he's going to save honor, he has to shock more. Well, then he should have hit him with like a stone cold stunner. <laughs> like at least that would have been funny. It would have been no. It would have been it would have been amazing. No, you should have hit him with the rock bottom. You know, that's funny. Then, cause cause what is? I was the I was deciding which one to go. Yeah, with, you know, but and that I mean, was my second choice. Yeah, that's it. But it's a good choice. Cause imagine the people's elbow because that one takes a while. That would be that would have, <laughs> that would have been Oscar worthy though. I mean, that would have been like. I mean, that'd be like See, the most popular YouTube video of all time. Then, like, people already thought it was fake. Then they're definitely thinking right. it's fake. Then they're definitely going to think it's <laughs> fake then, right? But then, you know, it's great. Then you can ask Dwayne Johnson about it, and, you know, and then you can make it, you can think, go on forever, you know? Yeah, this conversation would still be relevant. It would absolutely <laughs> still be relevant. Yeah, no doubt. So I think that, um, mm. you know, but, you, you know, you can see that in this chapter as well, though, right? In, in the chapter that we're in. Mm-hmm. The underground man, because, like, the underground man, this is a guy who has, like, you know, when he's alone, he's in the underground, he's an overthinker. And he overthinks because he has no interaction. But then when he get out, he has no power. Like, at his job, right? At his job, he's so low level. And then he, he you know, he, he only can only visit his boss once a day, you know, once a week. And, and, and then he, yeah. he goes and sits in the corner, doesn't say anything. And everyone makes fun of his salary at the dinner and all that. Well, we found out he was in the military. And being in the military, you never do have any power. <laughs> Someone is always in charge of you. But you notice how the underground man takes power over in this chapter. Like in this chapter, this is probably, the, I think it's probably the first time in the book that he actually gets kind of the upper hand on. Like, Who do you get the upper hand on? The driver? The driver, yeah. <laughs> well, no, because the driver, right? Well, first of all, first of all, like the power that he excludes in the chapter in the in the primarily in the chapter it's over the driver right and it's always financial right the means it's always it's always financial and physical right yeah so it's financial first physical second so with the driver he he makes the driver subservient because he pays him so he pays the peasant the money to 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 go and so the peasant is now kind of he's employed so he has to do what the underground man tells him so the underground man is always some whip go faster you know he's telling yeah. you know he's and so he and it says that he whips the horses and the horses they they they, they go into a frenzy because he's whipping them and he demands that he go faster and then eventually when he gets upset he comes up and he, he starts and he hits him right hits him right in the back of the neck yeah you know he comes up and he hits him right in the back of the neck and and he's just spent the entire time the, the whole chapter like worrying about uh zirkov he's gonna slap zirkov well then you know it, it w- if you're so sure that you're gonna slap zirkov why do you need to slap the the peasant driver you know who has no power over you he's trying to like get it out before he gets there he's trying to like work himself down yeah right yeah, i it think so yeah it doesn't happen that's what i think yeah yeah you're right you're getting worse at that well he does say so remember though 
when he finally gets there, don't forget that he uh, he makes that statement. He says, he, like he's, he says, he's safe from death. Yeah, right? yeah, you yeah. know. He says, uh, he says, oh, it's like he feels like he's safe from death because everyone, no one's there. Yeah, he doesn't see anybody. They had already, you know, gone there. Yeah, se- separate ways. Right, right, right. Exactly. Like everyone else has already taken and then gone. Yeah, I'm like, uh, okay, right. Well, where are you headed, my friend? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, no kidding. But he feels, he feels like, you know, he uh, he feels like. Uh, uh, I guarantee it's a sense of relief. Oh. Like, like I don't have to act on that action now. You know, right? Now, and no I, but I have, I have an excuse. Like I was still gonna, but they're not here. That's one of them. Like you're lucky. I got five people holding me back right now. Right? Yeah, yeah, the, you're right. The sports fights. That's right. Yeah, the sports fights. Right? Yeah. You're lucky. There's six people here to hold me back. Otherwise, hockey's got to be the most boring sport ever. But you know what? Ah. They fight till somebody falls. Oh yeah. Good yep. for them. Right. You're good for them. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Good for them. Mm-hmm. And they get and go. They go to Mon too. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, guys are out there. It's like a strategy. And it's know? not like once in a while, you know? Like No, it's all it's all the time. Yeah. Like you, if if you're not if you're not watching fascinated by the fighting, I, I, then I, you're fascinated by the patience. No, if you if you, know? you watch I I don't know, I guess it's kind of like NASCAR. Like I don't know anybody who watches NASCAR for anything other than the crashes. Right. Why would you watch hockey for anything other than the fights? Yeah, other than the fights, right? <laughs> right? You're like, "Hey, I was watching the fights and the hockey game broke out." Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, no doubt. Actually, I I've only been to one hockey game and it wasn't a professional level one. Yeah. I think they like they have to show some level of decorum and then like once they get put on the team, it's like <laughs> gloves are off. You can you can you've entered the pro fighting ring now. That's right, you've entered it now. The gladiator sport, right? You, you can play hockey good enough to where we're gonna let you box. That's right. <laughs> that's right. What in the world, man? That's right. That's right. Wow. But if you it. if you see a fight on like pit road breakout, man, that's like news for weeks. They don't even cover the fights in hockey anymore. Yeah, no, they but they barely don't. I I went to that one. It was collegiate. It was boring. Nobody fought. Yeah, nobody fought. It was like nobody, a hockey game. It was yeah. like an athletic. It was like an athletic contest. It was like they just played hockey. It was stupid. Yes, you know, somebody won four to three. I don't even know if anybody scored a goal. Is that, how terrible is that? Right? You know, no pucks flew into the stands and hit any innocent bystanders. Nobody got checked through the glass. <laughs> nobody flipped over. Wasn't one speck of blood anywhere. No chipped tooth. Nothing. Nothing. Right? Yeah, I want to see violence. Dang it. Ah, uh, NFL is is all I got left. <laughs> that's right and they're they're turning that into safety arena yeah no i know, you know? I, I hear you you can't use your helmet you can't it's gonna be you can't use your hands too much before we know it well when the they thing first came up with remember the quarterback thing yeah like it used to be like it was field day on the quarterback it, no it, i uh i didn't uh my son and i are big fans and so uh you know i've done it uh and it's it's really amazing to it's amazing to go through this because i have actually gone through it with him mm-hmm. to sit down because you know, usually when there's something that errs on the side of safety, right? He wants he usually wants more violence, right? And he'll say, "Okay, no, we need to change nothing, and we need to make it violent, right?" And so it's very interesting. Good businessman. It's a good business. <laughs> there's, there's, it really is a star conscious. It's different. It's different for me because I'm older and I'm really part of that Generation X, and so I can remember the time before the internet, and I can remember the time when. You know, I wasn't around for some of the big, you know, boxing events of the 60s and 70s, but I have an interest in those, and I knew people that were. Yeah. And so just, you know, those people are dying off now, so it's kind of like we're like the last generation to actually have a connection to that time. 
And so for me, I always tell him, I say, listen, you need to be reasonable because you need to avoid the slippery slope where people start, you know, people start, they see, that's all they can see is the violence and then the violence and then people start dropping off and then you get this, you kind of go off a cliff, right? Because that's what we saw in boxing. Yeah. I'm always trying to show him some of the great fights and he doesn't get into it, right? He, uh, he doesn't, for whatever reason, but... um I've always say, hey, you got to see these great fights. You got to see these 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 amazing fights, right? And so he doesn't necessarily have an interest in the sport. But what I want him to see, what I want him to see is how, hey, you know, back in the the fifties and the sixties and even the seventies, and, and you know, people glorified this stuff, right? I mean, people, right. I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, people wanted to see those guys in a ring and they want to see them fight, and then they're going to take them to the point of death, and there's going to be thousands of people watching and cheering and Roman gladiators. And I was going to say, has that, that's how it is? Has anything really changed? Yeah, right. <laughs> the you, but then you can kind of see that, right? <laughs> and he wasn't necessarily into that. So what I did was it was in what you were saying about back in the early days in the NFL. Yeah, we went back to the seventies and we were watching some some stuff from the 70s and man let me tell you like he he was a little bit disturbed by it for me like wow man for me i was watching it and i'm like watching the old steelers man i've watched some (laughs) of that old stuff man and then of course for me i want to go back i want to see these guys now because i got to go to youtube like make sure these guys are okay you know i'm like does this guy still have brain function you know like i like uh you know did these can these guys still stand up you know yeah i man some of those some of those hits are Vicious and brutal. I'm telling you right now, like TV doesn't do it justice. I, yeah. I've mentioned it before, but having yeah. worked with two former NFL players, I, okay. I worked with Lindsey Jackson, who was a wideout for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. Yep. Um, won the Rose Bowl with ASU. Very, very good wide receiver. Very cool. Played behind Heinz Ward. And then uh, I worked with Michael Bankston, who was a starter for the Arizona Cardinals, a mm-hmm. defensive lineman for 11 years, I believe. Is that right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've seen Lindsey. At speed, having been out of the league for three years when I saw him. Yeah. And I was like, why are you not still in the league? Wow. And he was like, I'm slow. I couldn't even keep up. Wow. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Ain't, you couldn't pay me enough to get hit with that dude. I don't care if you put me in hockey gear. Yeah. Okay? Right. No. I could be wearing no a goalie stuff. Yeah. No. Right. That, I, those hits. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, the TV camera don't do it justice. You man, do not want to be behind one of them. Man, they used to leave. They used to leave like huge lanes open because you can't hit the quarterback now. And then the way you can hit the quarterback, they used to leave lanes open for the quarterback. Like, hey, you want a running quarterback? You want to have your quarterback run? You run right down this lane. They'd leave it wide open. Yeah, I dare you. Because then when the, the quarterback <laughs> would come down the lane, there would be a safety there, and the safety would come across and would kill the guy. I mean, it would send him to the hospital. Look at the safeties now that come in and hit the tight ends. On the crossing routes. Yeah, right, sure. Uh, man, you know, I kind of make fun of Rob Gronkowski. I think I'm the only New Englander that doesn't like the Patriots. Sure. But um, I just, I don't know, I'm, I got sick of Brady. Uh, They're all retired man, now. You can come back, you know. That, no. No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. I used to get the Patriots and Oilers mixed up because of the colors, okay? That's how go. much I cared about the Patriots. There you go. So, um, what are they now? They're the Texans, I believe. But anyway... Uh, I Rob Gronkowski, he, how many crossing routes has he done and been hit on? Yeah, and perfectly fine. That would kill you or I. Yeah, right. I right, guarantee you. 
It's true. Yeah. You get lit up by one of them safeties. Those guys are running like 22 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, it's more athletic now. I mean, it's the safeties are bigger and then the linebackers are more athletic. So the linebackers, you almost want linebackers that can cover and safeties and come up and hit these tight ends and running backs. Yeah. I worked with Brandon McGee's mom. He was a linebacker for ASU. Yeah. And Brandon McGee, uh, he actually got signed with, he was, he was going to be like the next Bo Jackson. This was, this was only maybe nine, ten years ago. Right, yeah. Um, wow. He nice. got signed with the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, they gave him 50000 guaranteed. And then he went and worked out with the Red Sox. Um, he was good enough for uh, to play outfield for them. Is that right? And um, starting linebacker uh, with uh, – who's that – who's the linebacker that's um, – he's absolutely hated uh, by most of the NFL for just being super trashy, just stomping on people and stuff. Oh, uh, I, I can't I can't remember the guy's name right now. That was Brandon McGee's best friend. Anyway, oh, was it what Albert Hainsworth? Uh, no, no, probably not. Uh, he's, been, he's been in the league now, probably ten years. Oh, is he still in the league? Yeah, I, I cannot. The guy is just he's absolutely disgusting. But I have him and Brandon's signatures or whatever on uh, on a poster I got. And um, nice. So uh, even that, I mean, that guy was just stupid. Oh, Mdamakin Sue. Are you thinking of Mdamakin Sue? Um, nope, it wasn't Sue. No, Sue came out of Nebraska. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll think of it as soon as we're done recording. Right. That's <laughs> it's one of those, you right. know. Take the show notes. Yeah, for sure. But um, I worked with a bunch of those guys, and it's just... You, you, that's great. You wouldn't want to get hit by them. And No, no, not at it's all. It's fun for us to, to watch, though. I, I mean, how many people didn't like, what was it, what was it the 1998 uh, home run chase by McGuire and yeah, Sosa? Yeah, that's right, yeah. You know, who cares? You want to take steroids? Your body. Right. No, I know. And no. that was the big, I think that was the big revelation. And I think that was one of the, the 90s were a time of real uh, unraveling. It was the beginning of postmodernism. And there was a lot of unraveling. And I remember that, though, like in the home run chase. And, and that was very, it's very important because when when it got found out, right, that it was really the middle age and the older people that held together the narrative. And I'm telling you, you were you were spot on because the young people were like, "Hey, why does it matter?" Yeah, I I'm still at why does it matter? Right. I mean, if there, you're willing yeah, to do right. it to your body, it's not like right. You weren't using a different bat. Sure. You using a different ball. Right. There was no advantage except you're willing to destroy your body to right. make millions of dollars. Yeah. Great. Good for you. Right. Have at it. It's right. entertaining. You were selling seats. Yep. NASCAR. That is a dangerous sport. It's still a dangerous yeah. sport. Right. And. uh that's why people flock to it because it's dangerous. Yeah, no, that's Nobody right. wants to watch people ride around dressed like the Michelin Man and never, ever, ever have uh, any danger at all and just do circles. Right, that's right. Okay? You are going to become stereotypical NASCAR. I, I will have no defense left for you. Right. People are like, why do you watch this stuff? I'll be like, good call. I don't know. Yeah, right, Answer sure. Cable. I have no idea. Yeah, because you don't know why, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was exciting. Yeah. Now it's like not that exciting. Right. You know? You actually, in the cars now, they actually said, there was a couple drivers this weekend that were like, yeah, no, we're going to we're gonna back off and just take it easy because they just came out with a new car and I guess it doesn't absorb as much of the impact, you know. And, Is that right? And, yeah. And I'm like, you're telling people you're going to like take it easy? Yeah. Yeah, like, I know. It, it, you wonder why you're not filling the stands anymore. You're getting right. right now? That's right. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to see people get hurt, but... Dangerous sports are exciting. They've been exciting for a very long time. Right. That's the draw to them. Yep. That's right. You know. You know, and also, too, it's very uncomfortable. What pe- People don't want to talk about it. I mean, these guys, 
these guys who come into the league and oftentimes, you know, especially in football, but even other sports, you know, these are guys that have, they have no outlet, you know, they have no other way to kind of come in and, and to get out of their circumstances. And so it's a real, no, they don't. This is an opportunity for them. I mean, they, they, they can, they can not only quote unquote make it, but they can set up generational wealth where they can, they can, they can provide for generations and generations and generations. Only a few of them. You'd be surprised. Lindsey Jackson, he played for, I think, three years in the NFL. Yeah. And then went and played arena football for a couple of years. A couple of years, yeah. And, um, well, he wound up working with my broke self. So Yeah, right, right, yeah. And I, and I asked him, like, why aren't you, like, doing something else? He's like, what skills do I have? Okay, sure. What am I going to do? I don't need to go catch a ball for anybody else. There's nobody hiring to do that. Right. I was like, oh, yeah, good point. Again, Michael Baxton, starter for the Arizona Cardinals yeah, for 11 sure. years. I mean, yep. this, this is not some backup guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much warmer. Working with me. Right. We were working at a group home. Yep. I mean, you know, nothing crazy. Yeah. He wasn't sure. driving a crazy car. Right. And he said that most guys, within three years of leaving the league, yeah. they're broke. We're talking like 70, 80% of them. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And, I don't know, look, look where a lot of them come from. Like they, like yeah. you said, they, it was the only way they could work their their way out of those circumstances and uh right you don't learn any skills with the circumstances most of them are in yeah no you really don't because you come from it, it's like this book you come from the extremes yeah who's basically. who's in the middle that makes it you know the, those are the people like me that just kind of eh, whatever muddle through life you know and like every yeah. once in a while you, you pick a winner like i happened to join the military that happened to be the best thing that ever happened to me okay sure but i didn't plan that out right um you know these guys they either come from like abject poverty, yeah, or like you know, mom and dad knew someone at Stanford, yeah. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Yeah, no doubt, <laughs> it's, no it's, doubt. It kind of makes me wonder, like, how the 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 bench. You know, I wonder if it's like prison sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, <laughs> like you get your separate groups and like, oh you, yeah, like they, they don't really speak the same languages. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. You get your Harvard kids, and then you get your other kids that like. The college scout knew, you know, this guy's going to bring in money because he runs, you know, four four forty. So we're going to get him in here, even yeah. though he can barely spell his last name. Right. And you get, you know, D minuses all the way through high school. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Like, so that's what you have. And then you cheat, cheat his way through college, and then you're in. You guys, you guys like LeBron James right out of high school. Yeah, that's right. You know, out of Akron. Ohio? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Right ever, out of high school. You ever, you ever been to Akron? I drove through there once. Real nice place. No. No. Just I, kidding. I, 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 drove, <laughs> I drove through there once. You know, I think getting out of there was one of the, the yeah. know, best parts of the trip. Yeah, I, I drove through there and made sure I didn't need gas before I got in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah. Yeah, the um, crazy world we live in. It is. It is. It really is. No. probably going to be a billionaire someday. It's ridiculous. Oh, no question. Yeah. No, no question about it. But it, it is it's incredible though, these leagues, there's so much money in these leagues. And and that I always try to explain to the kids, like it's not that there's so much money in the league that the question becomes who's gonna soak it all up? You know, that was like the baseball strike when they had the baseball strike. Yep. And and that was where there was so much money in baseball that the players were like some they're they were all taken care of amazingly well. But the players are like Listen, like the owners just soak up this money like it's free water, you know? Like, why not us, right? Like, you can't play the sport without us, so why not us? Yeah, and you, well, you have guys that are turning down contracts for 
I'm just going to throw out a number. I know yeah. there's there's a higher number that sure. there, but like thirty million dollars a year, people are turning them down. Turning them down. You know, it's unbelievable. You, it's crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Like I I, I do I, I have a relative who has a, a I have a relative whose sister has a good friend that played minor league baseball, mm-hmm. and they were able to like the yearly. I mean, I was it's shocking. Like even in the minor leagues, I mean, they were able to pull in like. I think it was three hundred and fifty thousand. Oh yeah, like a year. Yep, we're talking minor leagues. Oh yeah, and like I mean, they just made the team. So that's just like, oh, you're good enough to make a minor league baseball team, three hundred k. Yep. Like what? Like what? Oh yeah, yeah. When I when I worked out in Arizona at that car dealership. Okay, I, sure. Yeah, I used to have because you know the spring training stuff. Oh there yeah, yeah, right. Oh yeah, you used to have them come in. Really? Yeah. Yeah, loaded. Man. And I'm like, oh, you like major leagues? Like, no, like AAA. Yeah, like triple A. What? Right, like triple A. There's just so much money. It just leaks everywhere. And, I mean, this gets soaked up by everybody, and it's just more and more. Because every jersey, every hat. Yeah. You know? I mean, you got guys in China. I mean, they got hundreds of thousands of people in China running around with Yankee jerseys and Yankee hats just because they think it looks cool. Like, there's money behind that everywhere, every day. Yeah. I have an Antonio Brown jersey that I can't give away right now. You can't give away. That's right. But I, I you can go to a pool and do something with it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Golly, man. Talk yeah. about a train wreck there. Yeah, and so speaking of train wrecks, we have the underground man, and he gets, <laughs> uh, he gets to the brothel. And to yeah. make of that last point, I was making the point before about the, um, about the driver, right, and yeah. how he holds, dry, he holds power. Yeah. He actually does the same thing with the prostitute, right? Like at the brothel, because yeah, no, just because he pays, he pays the um the peasant, he pays him money to bring him to the brothel. Mm-hmm. But once he gets to the brothel, he pays the prostitute to sleep with him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and just like he has power, like the power over the driver, he you know hits the driver in the back of the neck. You know, mm-hmm. be just because he can, because he has this power, right? The, the the one scene right at the end, right at the end of the chapter, and he's he's looking in the window, right? He gets a chance to look at himself in the window. <laughs> yeah, this was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Are you there? Yeah. Like, why are you glad to seem repulsive to her? Well, I I think it it's like it has a lot to do. It's I think it's a very similar situation to the driver, right? Because the driver doesn't. Because the driver actually responds to him when he hits him, mm. right? I mean, he doesn't, the driver doesn't stop and get out and you're not allowed to hit the driver. I'm going to report you to the police. And he, yeah, I thought it was a very mild reaction. Yeah, none of it really happens. <laughs> I mean, you know, basically the driver is a peasant and then, you know, he's hitting him on the back of the neck and he's screaming at him and he's yelling at him and he gets out and he gets in and he's kind of, you know, not doing a great, he's not treating him very well. Yeah. And this peasant kind of has to sit there and take it. You know, he's like, who is this guy? You know, he's, he, he's, he's crazy. He's yelling. He's hitting me. He's jumping out. He's jumping back in. He's, you know, all this, he, he's like this crazy guy. Right. So why would you want to be a taxi driver or a carriage driver for someone who's nuts? And in, in the same way, if you're a prostitute and say that you don't, you know, the, the driver doesn't have a choice. Right. The prostitute also doesn't have a choice. Nope. Right. So, and, and this isn't even really uncommon. I mean, I think everybody knows someone. I mean, you ever go through the drive-through at a fast food place, and then you know because you 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 feel you're upset and you need to feel powerful, so you're gonna go in the drive-through, and then you're gonna you know be a 
class act jerk because you, you you need to you know make someone's day worse than your day is i am uh not gonna go down a rabbit trail but boy i worked for mcdonald's for three years okay sure uh so i will never do that to somebody yeah <laughs> i've had it happen to me before i've been in convenience retail myself so, so like one of the days when the shake machine was working yeah oh uh somebody ordered i think i don't know i can't remember if it was I think it was like four shakes. Either way, I had one of them full cardboard trays yeah. of ice cream products. And somebody was having one of them days where they thought I was the one that they were going to get their anger out on. Oh, is that right? Apparently, it took too long to get them their shakes in the drive through Oh, boy. I got them to them. I threw them out the window into their car. You did? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even get fired for it. Wow. That that's how, amazing. yeah, that's how sick and tired of the management is. Yeah. Of getting treated like that because they've been there before. Mm-hmm. Sure. So they're like, eh, we have to write you up, but whatever. Yeah. This <laughs> probably gave them a bunch of like free coupons and and you know. Oh yeah, right. I don't know. They're take a bunch of free food. I have no idea what happened to them, but I I was just done. Yeah. I was like, you're not talking. I don't I don't remember exactly what it was. Right. Uh, but it was something that set you off. Yeah. Enough for me to to hum fire some some ice creams through the window. <laughs> there you go. Right. Right through the window. Right. Yeah. Wow. Pretty, pretty good shot. Made it into the car. Well, yeah, I was going to say, wow, hey, you got the Michael Jordan thing going on, you know? So you get the Jordan. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, it set me up well for Frisbee golf. Yeah, right. There you go. I, I don't know. I, 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 I wouldn't do that to people. I don't. I've been there. Yeah. And uh, and I think a lot of us that have been in the service industry that have been there would not do that. Now, the underground man, he will definitely do that, you know? And I think that when he, when he, because yeah. when he's looking at, you know, he's thinking about Zerkoff, right? And then he's thinking like, okay, I'm going to slap Zerkoff. And then, you know, he's, yep. he's overthinking, so probably he won't slap Zerkoff. But by, you know, my my mercy, he's going to go after that driver and he's going to hit the driver in the back of the neck. And then he gets to the, uh, you know, he's going to have this big fight where Olympia and everyone's going to be pulling his hair and pulling him off and they're going to be throwing him out in the snow and all this stuff. And he gets there and there's no one there. Well, just like the driver, now he's like, oh, this prostitute's going to have to sleep with this. Man, I look ugly. And you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad she has to sleep with such a dirty, filthy. make her day bad. Yeah. yeah that's a good you know, point. Kind of a thing there, you know? Yeah, that probably is it. You know, it's kind of like this thing where he's like, it's, it's like, you know, it's just over the powerless, you know? Like, is you know, because we always hear that as kids. You know, we say, we tell our kids, a true, a true strong man takes care of the powerless. They don't take advantage of the powerless. Or we may say, uh, you know, that the weakest in society, you know, should be, you know, we should, you know, they, they should not be ignored, right? Right. Uh, you know, so we all kind of have this, but then the underground man is anything but healthy. You know, I mean, he he's just, it's just. He's got some issues. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just lashing out here. Pretty much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was number five, chapter five and part two of Notes from Underground. And we will be back with part number six. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time. <laughs>